We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. How's everybody doing? I must admit, I don't usually come on Thursdays. I usually hear Wednesdays and and Sundays. And I see a lot of faces I haven't seen in a while. And it's a, it's a pleasant surprise. And I see faces I've never met, which is even a better surprise. The Lord is good. We serve an awesome, awesome, great, powerful, loving God. And if it's your first time here, welcome. Welcome Welcome, welcome. It's your home. And if you're a, a long-time brother in the Lord, welcome, obviously, also to you. Lord is good. Everybody looks good in the middle of the week. It's been a tough, trying week. Little things that add up, but we're going to pray. Uh, thank you, Father, for allowing us to be here. I pray, Father, that you cover my... Uh, the fact that I am inadequate, Father. I fall so short, Father. But that's that's why we just glory in your grace, Father. That which you've given to us free, Father. Through through that uh, conquering of the grave that we sang of, Father. Through making the way, Father. That is such an awesome truth and so, so beautiful to contemplate, Father. I ask, Father, that you uh, bless all my brothers and sisters that are present. I, that you bless all the families they represent, Father. Just reach out to them in a special way. Uh, not necessarily again, uh, by what I might say, but what you would have me say to them, Father. Just touch them in a special way, always reminding them that you are a Father, always uh, attentive to each and one, every one of our needs, each and every one of the beats of our heart, Father. Just uh, lift them up and bring them close to you, Father. I pray that you bless uh, Pastor Manny and Pastor Henry, Father. Uh, bring them back safely, and may the, they come back just refreshed and rejuvenated, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, guys, open your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4. Chapter 4 of Nehemiah. We're going to read through one verses 1 through 15. It's a fairly familiar passage, and I'm sure many of you have heard messages on it before. I just pray that the Lord blesses us once once more. Amen? Verse 1, chapter 4 of Nehemiah. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious, furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build... If even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Here, 
O our Lord, for we are despised. Turn the reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a, hand, to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon, upon us. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Amen. Thank you, Father. For those of you who haven't read this passage, let me just give you a little brief, brief history and bring you up to, up to speed. Nehemiah is the third person in the line of three people who have come to restore Jerusalem. They've come to rebuild it. What happened was, was what happens to all of us when we turn to sin, when we turn to idolatry, when we search after things that are not of God, the people of Israel had fallen. They had committed adultery, followed false gods, and sinned. So around the year 770, the northern, king, northern kingdom, Israel, was just taken over by the Assyrians, and they were taken captive. Then around, I believe it was around 550, you guys can correct me on the dates later, the southern kingdom, Judah, was taken over by Babylon, and they were taken into exile. They were taken captives. Eventually, though, after about 70 years of being held captive by, by Babylon, Persia came in, which is now modern-day Iran, and they uh, conquered Babylon. So now they're in charge of the exiled Israelis, of the exiled Jews. Okay? So they're just passed from one hand to another, without freedom, without any rights. But, but the Persian Empire seems to have this, um, I don't know what you would call it, maybe a soft spot. And they start allowing the, the Israeli people, the Jewish people, to go back into Jerusalem and start rebuilding. First they start with uh, Zerubbabel. He goes back and he starts rebuilding the temple. For those of you who don't know, 
rebuilding the temple is a significant thing. It's an incredibly important thing, especially in the Jewish culture. To them, the temple was everything. Along with him went a second person who was Ezra. Ezra was a priest. So he was there to reinstate all the Jewish tradition, all the Mosaic law, all the religion that they were missing. But after about, I think, 14 or 15 years, things were becoming stale again. And that's where Nehemiah comes in. Okay, Nehemiah was basically a cupbearer for a Persian king whose name was Artaxerxes. A cupbearer is a fancy word for butler. Okay, he fed him. He gave him a drink. He just looked after the king. But by this time, there, were, there was a remnant of Jewish people who were already back in Jerusalem. And some brethren came back to Nehemiah and gave him some news. And Nehemiah said, how's my homeland? How's my country? How's it going? How's it? They said, well, not so great. The great wall around Jerusalem is in shambles. It's burnt. There's a lot of rubbish. The boulders are one upon another just laying all over the place. The wall is down. And for those of us who don't know, for the Jewish people and for all the cultures back in that day, that was a form of security, of pride, of strength, of beauty, having all these things around their, their city. So Jerusalem without a wall was in shambles. And that pierced the heart of Nehemiah. In the same way, we might see our brethren, our families, just decay to the part, point where everything is just in shambles. Everything is just in disarray. Could you imagine coming to Calvary Chapel on Monty, seeing the walls unpainted, seeing the carpet cut up, and seeing only a few congregants? It would, it would pierce your heart. It would hurt you to your core. But then comes a moment of decision. Nehemiah said, no. I've decided in my heart not to let this bring me down. Instead, he reacted positively. And he said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to build up the wall. I'm going to bring back the pride, the beauty, the security to my homeland. And uh, he was quite wise. While he was uh, taking care of King Artaxerxes, he basically put on a sad face, the saddest face he could muster up. And the king, seeing this, he basically said, what's going on? Oh, I'm just sad beyond belief. Why? My homeland is just falling apart. Really? Yeah. What could I do to help? I'm paraphrasing, okay, guys? And he says, well, I'd love to go back and restore my country. He says, okay, well, what can I do? He says, give me letters of authorization so I can go into that area, into that region, and have permission to cut up lumber, to get materials, to get the people, to rebuild my, my town, my Jerusalem. So he was granted this. And that's how we come to chapter 4 of Nehemiah. Basically, I just gave you three chapters in about five minutes. Not usually that quick, guys. So he's back. But it so happened when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Let me let you know who Sambalat is. He's an enemy. Doesn't every cause, good cause, have an enemy? 
Well, he's an enemy. He's a, basically described as a, as a Samaritan governor. Let me give you a little bit of background on what a Samaritan is. A Samaritan is basically, how could I put this gently? I'm Mexican, okay? Say if there was a Spaniard here. I'm the mixed breed. I'm the Samaritan. I'm, I'm looked down upon people who think they are blue blood. And that's what the Jews did with the Samaritans. They looked down upon, I mean, they looked down upon the Samaritans because they were of mixed breed. And that obviously didn't cause any love between them. Okay. That and the fact that perhaps Sambalat was jealous of the fact that Jerusalem was going to raise up again. Perhaps it was some political move he had in, in mind where he could go in from Samaria, from, from Samaria, go into Jerusalem and reconquer and become governor of that region also. It doesn't really state in detail. Those are a lot of assumptions that Bible um, commentarists uh, uh, have. But at any rate, it irked him. Now think about this. How do we apply this to our lives? How many of you have been the first Christian in your family? The first born-again believer? The first one that's deposited all his, his faith and his trust and his confidence in the Lord Jesus? And you come into your house, perhaps for most of us, a non-believing house, and people look at you. And they say what Sambalat said. They said, he says, he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they, sacrifice, will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Thankfully, this didn't happen to me. I met some opposition, but... Being the elder in the family, people were more apt to just not say anything. But I, I've seen where, where people will go into a family being the first born-again believer. And what happens? I literally heard this. Mijo, I preferred you as a drunk. I preferred you as an adulterer. And is that that, is that that woman, is that that mother speaking or is that the enemy? Was this Sambalat speaking or was it the enemy? It's, I mean, sounds corny, but it's the devil. It's Satan. He can't see a revival. He can't see where God is gaining ground for his kingdom. Could you imagine hearing that? I preferred you as a drunk, as an adulterer. And it's it's a sad thing. That's what I compare this to. Just, I mean, a lot of us are about the business of restoring our families and bringing them back together and lifting them up before God and just asking God for for protection. This is going to happen. I guarantee you, if you're not attacked in one way, you're going to be attacked in another. But don't panic. Don't panic. He that is within us, that dwells in us, is greater than he that is in the world. Speaking of Jesus. Okay, guys? Keep that in mind. So Sam Bellat is just irked beyond belief. He says, listen to these Jews. They're getting all religious on me. They're going to start sacrificing again? Feeble little Jews. Do they think they're going to restore the walls? They're, they're ruins. They can't do anything about this. And at first glance, it was an impossible situation. Uh, you guys can correct me on these details later, but I read that the wall was basically about four and a half miles around the city, probably 12 meters high and about three meters wide. Okay. Have you guys ever watched Caltrans building a wall along the freeway? How long do you think it would take them to build a four and a half mile wall? Quite some time. Now imagine doing that with hand tools, your hands, mules, and donkeys. We're talking about ages, but with God, nothing is impossible, as we read on. 
Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Somebody being sarcastic, someone's feelings are hurt, right? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes upon it, he will break down their stone wall. Don't even try to restore your family. Don't even try to lift up your brother. What can you do? Even if you, you're able to restore him, it'll last a day. He'll be back to where he was. You know that, that prodigal son you had? You think he's coming back. He'll be gone in a minute. He'll go back to the drugs. He'll go back to the women. He'll go back to a reckless life. And that's what the devil would have us believe. That's what these antagonizing enemies were trying to have Nehemiah and the Jews believe. But don't get downcast. We serve a powerful God, an awesome God, one who restores, one who heals, one who admonishes and disciplines, one who is there for us, one who is our father. So even a fox, the slightest little problem will make you fall again, Robert. Don't believe it. Hold on to the Lord. Hold on to the Lord. Cling to him. That hand that has touched your heart is the hand of God. It's a real hand. People say he's not palpable. You can touch him. He moves in your heart every day. Just ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So does Nehemiah panic? What do we do when something like that happens? Oh, I've got a problem. I go to my comadre, to my compadre, to Aunt Betsy and Aunt Sue, and I tell them about the problem. And as a last resort, I pray. I'm thankful for the fact that Nehemiah went to the last resort first. Is that a lesson to us? Get on your knees. Get on your knees. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask God for strength. Ask God for restoration. This is Nehemiah praying. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn the reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. That's a pretty mean prayer. You think it was a correct prayer? What was he praying for? He's basically saying, make them suffer the same things we have suffered. If we were captive and we were slaves, let them be slaves. Is that something we should pray? Think about it. We live, for this time, it was the correct prayer. It was a different dispensation. It was people understanding God in a different manner. Not that God was different, but they understood him in a different manner. To them, being blessed was having lands and having cattle and having servants and having all these things. But to us, being blessed is not having anything but the grace of God. What does Jesus say? Pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. <laughs> Would this prayer have been appropriate nowadays? No. But here it is. It's not a contradiction. It was just a different form of life. So just understand that. But he prayed. He prayed. He's basically saying, Lord, you take care of them. Okay? Verse 6. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. If we go on and read through the book of Nehemiah, uh, we'll find out that they completed the whole wall, four and a half miles of it in 52 days. 52 days. What's that? A month and some change, right? But why? Because it was the Lord. It wasn't their strength. It was the Lord's strength. So they're actually to the point where they're, they've got the wall halfway done, right? It says the wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. What does that tell you? The people had a mind to work. They were of one accord. They were convinced. They were convinced that what they were doing was good. They had a leader who had convinced them that it was good. 
We have a leader that has convinced us that what we're doing is good. We come by here on a Sunday. We have two services. Every seat is, is filled. There's going to be a day when we're going to want to have two services on a Thursday too because we're following the Lord. We're doing his work. Amen? What's impossible for the world through the grace of God is very possible. He makes impossibilities possible through his power, not ours. So they had a mind to work. They were one accord. They knew what they were doing. Could you imagine going into a corporation and just putting everybody on the same page? What kind of production they would have? Could you imagine going into the American government and putting them on the same page? It's not going to happen. But man, you see what happens when people are united in, in mind and strength and effort in the Lord? Verse 7, now it happened. When Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were, being, were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry, and all of them conspired together and came and attacked, and together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Does the devil conspire against us? Does he try his best to put obstacles in the way? What should we do with those obstacles? Should they be tripping us up or should we use them as stepping stones? I think we should use them as stepping stones to make us stronger, to get over to the next hump. That's what they were going to do. They were conspiring to go against these guys. They're, they think they're doing the work of the Lord, but wait until we're done with them. That's trouble from without, the enemy attacking us. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. What do we see in this verse? They prayed, right? But what else? They went into action. They set a watch. Should we just prayer, pray for our, our loved ones to come to the Lord? Should we just pray that hopefully someone else will reach them for Christ? Our first prayer should be that we should touch them for Christ. We pray, we pray, we prepare the land, and then we try and pick up the harvest. We go in and reach out to them. We, we, we just reach them with God's love. Not with our wisdom, not with our fancy preaching, but with God's word and God's truth and his grace. Reach out. Don't just pray. Take action. That's what these guys were doing. These guys want to come against us? We're going to set up a, a guard, someone to watch over us. Amen? But there's also trouble from within. Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there's so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. Do I hear a little bit of whining? I can't do it. Look at all. Look, look. The stones are still on the ground. There's so much trash, I can't see what I'm doing. I'll tell you guys a story. This is pretty yucky, but let me, let me tell you the story anyway. <laughs> um, we've had several things happen in our household with the la within the last week and a half. Car accidents and overflowing plumbing. <laughs> um, it's 11 o'clock at night, and I have a young man who lives in my back. I have a little studio in my backyard, and I rent to him. And my son comes in, Dad. Uh, Jose's restroom is flooded. I said, oh, yeah, it's flooded, Dad. And you're the landlord. <laughs> so I go back there and I go, Jose, what happened? I don't know. I wasn't even using it. And there was an inch of water in the bathroom. Okay. So I go, what's going on here? I cleaned it up. I took off the toilet. I took off the, 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 the drain in the bathtub and I ran a snake in there. I was there for half an hour. And I finally saw some progress. I, I saw some of the water go down, right? Then all of a sudden, it all came right back at me. I mean, with all the extras, if you know what I mean, okay? With the rubbish, with all the problems. 
I almost turned tail and ran. I almost did. And I, and I went to the side of the house and I put the snake down the clean-out uh, valve and I did all that. And finally, I, I almost gave up. And believe it or not, for a simple thing like this, I prayed. I prayed, Lord, help me. <laughs> I picked up the phone to call the plumber and I got put on hold. I was on hold for 20 minutes. I said, no, we've got to take showers in the morning. We've got to use the restroom. And I just got frustrated and said, forget the plumber. And as I was hanging up, I hear the drains just go. It all went away. But the mess was left. And I stayed until 2.30 in the morning cleaning up that mess with buckets and mops and bleaching the floor four or five times. So you guys can just imagine. But I got through it. What would have happened if I would have said, forget it, and just ran? I mean, that plumber would have never arrived. And Judah's seeing here, oh, no, the laborers are failing. And there's, no, there's so much rubbish that we can't even, we're not even able to build the wall. And our, our adversaries, they will neither know, and our adversaries said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into the midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. What are these? Scare tactics. Scare tactics. Are you afraid of the enemy? If you're not, he'll try and make you afraid. Scare tactics. But Nehemiah was faithful. So it was when the Jews, verse 12, who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon you. Man, I'm getting depressed just hearing this. Therefore, this is what a wise man does, a wise man of God. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall, at the openings, and I set the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. According to what? According to their families. Why didn't you go out and get the the seasoned warriors, the seasoned veterans, the army? When I read this passage, I said, I can equate this with much something much more intimate and closer to me than just reading the history of, of Israel, the restoration of Israel. I'm thinking about the restoration of our families, of our loved ones, of our kids who haven't really understood the message, whether it be by fault of our own or just the fact that they don't want to hear. I can equate restoring our families to this. And when I read verse 14, it says, And I looked and rose and said to the nobles, to the leaders and to the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Not only is a restoration, not only have they set up the defenses with families, but it's come full circle. It's come full circle, and he's saying, fight for your families. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons and daughters. We have to be on our knees fighting, praying. I mean, we, we're, we're so worried about the passing things. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Oh, I, hope, I hope my son gets that scholarship. I hope this and that. And that's all good and well. But it's all for naught if we don't fight for our families, if we don't fight for the restoration of our families, of our nations. There are people in here who, 
who every time they come, they bring a new family member. Puts me to shame. I see that and it, and it blesses my heart so much. They've understood so much in such a short amount of time. Where are we? Are we fighting for our families? Are we protecting our brethren? Are we restoring the walls? Are we? Read this passage again to yourself at home and say, what's going on here? It's not just the pride of country. It's not just the security. It's not just the strength. It's families. That's what it ends with here in verse 14 and 15. It comes full circle. The families are fighting. People are protecting the families. Really, to me, the most important thing in my life will be the day I, I turn around from where I'm standing worshiping the God, Lord Almighty, and I turn around and I see my kids walking in that back door with raised hands. Because it doesn't matter if daddy's a Christian. It doesn't matter if daddy gets a chance to teach every once in a while. We've got to be restored as a family, as a family of the Lord first, as a nation. Getting kind of dramatic, ain't it? <laughs> but the Lord is good, guys. The Lord is so good. This passage had been on my heart for a while now, and I said, Lord, how am I going to share this? What am I going to say? And the Lord, the Lord comes through. The Lord is awesome. He is so awesome. Let's pray, guys. Dear Father, we thank you for this time together, Father. I just pray that your words penetrate our hearts, Father, and, and just create a, a new eagerness, Father, a new desire, an urgency, an urgency, Father, to reach out to our families and to bring them into your kingdom, Father, to fight for them, to defend them, Father, to get on our knees and just pray, Father, over them. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.